I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast. Every week, I speak with women changemakers and founders who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through their educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. The new year is here and our resolutions are too, but focusing on our self-care and wellness should always be the focus no matter the time of year. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce a special series on The Brandies Female over the next few weeks. Presented by Atleta, this series of conversations features women who embody different aspects of wellness, from sports to mental health and more, and by the same token, who empower women and girls everywhere. In support of Atleta's commitment to help women and girls ignite their limitless potential, they've partnered with Toronto Six, Canada's only women's professional hockey team. This partnership truly boosts visibility of women's sports and female athletes, which in turn will increase mentorship opportunities and positively impact the next generation of girls. Toronto Six joins the likes of Simone Biles and Alison Felix as athletes who have partnered with Atleta. I'm a huge admirer of Atleta's dedication to uncompromising product perfection. Their beautiful, technical, and sustainable clothing supports women and girls in every aspect of our lifestyles, from yoga and training to travel and even sleep. To top things off, Atleta is a certified B Corp and 70% of their products are made using sustainable materials. Shop Atleta at atleta.gapcanada.ca and visit Atleta stores at Vancouver's Park Royal or at Toronto's Yorkdale Mall. And follow them on Instagram at Atleta. This week, my guest is Mungi Engomani, social justice advocate and author of the book Everyday Ubuntu, which was inspired by the lessons from the South African philosophy and way of life. Mungi is the granddaughter of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, anti-apartheid and human rights activist who was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1984 for his efforts in resolving and ending apartheid in South Africa. In this exchange, Mungi and I spoke about grief because she lost her grandfather earlier this year. Grief is a topic we often leave out when it's time to speak about mental health or wellness, but it's something we all experience, whether it's caused by the loss of a loved one or the grief we feel when something ends or is taken away in our lives. Either way, I hope you find this exchange helpful and comforting. Here is our conversation. Mungi, thank you so much for coming on The Brand is Female with me today. I'm so glad we get to chat. Thank you for having me been a long time. And for our listeners who don't know, we've had conversations on this platform before and they were all very insightful. I've enjoyed every one of them and I've enjoyed listening to your podcast, Everyday Ubuntu. So for anybody who's interested, those episodes are still available. And I'm really excited that we get to talk about a topic that connects to wellness and self-care. And I think it's something that we don't have enough conversations about as women, and that is the topic of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm very grateful that you're uh, willing to have this conversation with me. Uh, But before we dive into all that and and the why, um, for listeners who don't know you, I want to talk about Everyday Ubuntu a little bit. So I'll start this conversation differently than most podcast conversations. Uh, Typically, I would normally ask you what you were dreaming of doing later in life when you were a child? Uh, Actually, I'll ask you that question anyway, Mungi. What were you dreaming of doing as a career when you were a young girl? Um, Oh, I think there were a few things. I went to all-girls school for most of my life, and I remember 
or I don't remember, my mom told me that when I was around 10, everyone at the all girls school was saying they wanted to be like the first lady. And I was like, what? Why would they want to be the first lady? I want to be the president. That has changed. Definitely don't want to be the president. Um, (laughs) Sounds horrific. Uh, I think president evolved into diplomat. And I went to school for that. And then I think I realized I would not be a good diplomat. Um, Mm. Because like my grandfather, I don't think I can like shut up about things. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I would be very good at towing the party line. Mm. Um, And so who knows what I want to be. But before I used to be president and diplomat. Well, and that's not completely disconnected from the work you are doing. Um, And you just mentioned your grandfather. So we can introduce the amazing book that you've written called Everyday Ubuntu, same, Mm -hmm. uh, which your podcast was named after. Um, And Everyday Ubuntu uh, obviously is a guide to the principles of Ubuntu, but kind of presented in a way that is easily, uh, you know, adapted to our everyday lives, to, you know, things that we can do on a on a regular basis, uh, small, small gestures inspired by the principles of Ubuntu. But I'll let you explain what your view of Ubuntu is and what you were, uh, what your goal was with writing that absolutely wonderful book. Yeah, I mean, you know, Ubuntu for me is, is sort of like the practice of of how to be a human and how to acknowledge our sort of humanity, Um, you know, instead of this whole self-made thing that's out in the world, it's about acknowledging the people that have affected your life and, and, and the lives that you affect and how the smallest thing from, you know, tipping a barista to large things like forgiving someone who has harmed you, um, how all of it plays into our lives and, and, Basically, those little things add up to Ubuntu and how you are acknowledging that you are only who you are because of the other people that are around you and you come into contact with. Um, And I think with the book, it it was sort of twofold. It was Ubuntu is this thing in the West that people think is this operating system, Mm, Um, you know, by (laughs) Linux or Microsoft or whoever it's. I always forget about that one. Yeah. So whenever like, I mean, some people will reach out to me on LinkedIn and be like, could you advise me on the Ubuntu system and like crazy (laughs) tech terms that I've never heard of? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I think you are confused um, about what I'm talking about. Um, So it was, it was one A to actually let them know what Ubuntu is. And the other thing is, I think because when, you know, people hear about Ubuntu, sometimes it's connected to religion um, Mm. and to sort of let people who are not religious have something to look to um, or practice that is not necessarily prescriptive, but but Mm. still, you know, allows you to feel like you have something larger than you that you're looking to or working towards. um, Mm -hmm. And and that maybe it's a little selfish because I'm not religious. And so for me, Ubuntu is sort of like the thing that I practice and, and live my life by, or at least try to. Mm-hmm. Wonderful explanation. And obviously, you know, Ubuntu is a South African um, philosophy. That's how uh, it, it, it's, it's referred as uh, in, including in your book. And one of the Ubuntu practitioners, I think who influenced 
not only your life, but who influenced your view of Ubuntu, your understanding of the principles of Ubuntu, was your grandfather, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And unfortunately, uh, uh, your grandfather passed away recently, and you and I have had conversations about the meaning of this in, in your life. Uh, but first, I want to I ask you about what do you remember? What are the most... Um, what comes to mind when you're thinking of the Ubuntu principles that he would talk about and embody is in his own actions as well? And actually, it's worth noting that he wrote the foreword to your book and had a lot of lovely things to say uh, about Ubuntu and about what the book can bring and the kind of value it can bring to people's lives. Yeah. And I, uh, so I think the way that he sort of, practiced it as like maybe like the North Star that we're all looking to. I, like I don't pretend to be as um, forgiving as he may have been with Ubuntu. You know, he was clearly willing to speak to the other side, which was the apartheid government, people who, you know, completely dehumanized him and his family and his friends and those that looked like him and um, sort of fought that while acknowledging that they were human and that they were sort of creating prisons for themselves by by imprisoning other people and harming other people and oppressing other people. And so he, you know, did all that. And I take Ubuntu as, wow, amazing he did that. But because he did that, I don't then need to engage with people who continue to oppress us. Like it's 2022. Mm not one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and so while I will acknowledge that they're human, I may not necessarily engage in the conversations that he would have mm. had with people. Um, mm. And I don't know if I'm as quick to forgive someone harming me as he was. Um, but that example is nice to have because it shows us that, wow, someone really does have strength and we do have the ability to forgive for things and to you know, set our pride or ego aside. Clearly, I'm not really doing that. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's something we can look towards. Um, and so I appreciate that example that he sort of put on the world stage for us of, of how you speak to people, no matter how they're speaking to you. Um, and, you know, I think with Ubuntu, we all like to, sometimes people think of it as this, you know, high and mighty thing. Some people think it's very difficult, which I agree. Some people think it's easy and naive. Um, but I think he also made it easy to grasp in that he sort of always brought humor into things. And so, mm -hmm. you know, when when it came to the apartheid government and and how they treated Black people and how he spoke about it, you know, he would always joke about like, ah, ha, ha, like we're on the winning side, just like always trying to bring humor to things. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and so I appreciate his example in that. And, and I'm sort of taking Ubuntu the way that I can, you know, living now in America in 2022 versus South Africa mm -hmm. in the 1940s onwards. Mm. And what are things that it's, it's interesting that you bring up, you know, you wouldn't be as quick to forgive maybe as he was. Um, but do you think... Was this something that he learned, you know, over over time? Like, is it something that you saw maybe in, you know, the the the, the later years of of his existence in his career? Um, is is there something too about like, you know, maturity and age where we 
we might change and might be uh, have more grace, you know, over time after more experience and more time has passed? I think so. I think it's I think it's definitely have extending more grace to others. And I, I mean, I guess, you know, forgiveness is also sort of extending yourself grace and recognizing that if you're holding on to this, it's not only, you know, harming the other person, it's sort of also harming you. Um, but he probably had more patience than I do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going back to the year that we're in and the fact that we've seen all these things happening. And so do we need to sort of forgive the same thing over and over again? Or can we mm-hmm. not all learn our lessons and move forward? Um, isn't isn't that what they fought for is for their grandkids, you know, to be able to enjoy the things that we thought we had we had achieved freedom, equality. Um, and so I think I probably could extend more grace and forgiveness when it came to larger things. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying this in sort of my individual relationships that I don't, I'm saying on the large scale of like, where are we as the West? Where are we and how we view black lives and Mm -hmm. indigenous lives and that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it really does take some sort of strength to be able to sit at a table with people who, see you as less than human. Um, and so I don't, I don't think I have that strength yet. Well, I mean, you, you have a, an amazing role model, you, you know, who, uh, uh was obviously a, a beacon in, in your life. And this brings me to, um, you know, talk about, unfortunately, the fact that, um, you, you lost him this year, the world lost him as well. And, uh, you know, today we want to talk about grief a little bit. So, um, I think I think we often talk about you know wellness and self care and mental health and we don't necessarily give we don't give a lot of space in our lives for these specific moments that all humans go through mm-hmm. um, of losing someone like there are, there are these moments in life that you know we all experience and uh, we often talk about mental health as like a general term right and uh, there's kind of the um, insinuation that they're, 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 we're sick, that there might be something wrong, but mental right. health is also about dealing with emotions, everyday feelings, everyday events, and grief is one of them. Um, so would you be able, uh, and willing to tell me a little bit about what that experience, uh, felt like for you? And now it's been, um, the, the funeral was held, I believe last month, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Um, what did that feel for you when you, uh, when you went through that process and how you, uh, how are you dealing with it today and what kind of shape is grief taking in your life? Um, I mean, I think grief is something we all agree is awkward and, and even if we don't agree, I think we have shown in our actions and the way that we deal with grief, at least in the West, um, is sort of, you know, this quick thing that we, Mm -hmm. Have to handle and then and yeah. then move forward um you know the the fact that we say like sorry for your loss which to me sounds like sorry that you lost that like football game or something like that mm. it, it's it's a weird thing to say about a human i think um mm-hmm. i i don't think we have spent enough time sort of trying to come up with words that actually comfort people you know all we can say right now is i'm sorry and you know we i think we all realize sorry doesn't really change the situation it doesn't really help it's just sort it just sort of filler mm-hmm. um and i think before he passed i had sort of started leaning into 
conversations about grief with people because I personally mm-hmm. wanted to know how to be a better support to people who are going through grief. Um, and through that have learned that it's, it's always there. It's always going to be there. It just sort of changes, you know, it's this like non-linear linear process that changes. And I have a, a good friend who said that, you know, when she and her sisters discussed the grief of losing their father, they said, you know, it's, it's not this past tense thing that you can talk about, like we've mm-hmm. grieved. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always going to be there, but it goes from being like maybe a large suitcase to like a small purse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that's a very like interesting way to think about it. Mm-hmm. It, it changes and it, it morphs and it's different every day. And the grief of, you know, losing my grandfather, I think is the same for anyone who has lost their grandparent. It was compounded by the fact that everyone else had things to share about how he had affected their life, mm. which on the grand scheme of things is so lovely. But I personally as an, am an empath. So I was feeling everyone's like mm. emotions and, and, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was responding to people who had messaged me in, in a timely fashion. So I, you know, wasn't rude, but like, that's such a weird thing to worry about when, you're trying to lay someone to rest. Um, and and so it was sort of a battle of back and forth of, you know, how much is being too concerned about other people's feelings right now and just needing to be in the moment with my family. Um, and I think there was just constant battles like that. You know, you have less patience when you're grieving. Um, you extend less grace to people when you're grieving. Um, and everyone... I've never been in a situation where everyone knows that you're grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it was, it's a, it was a very weird time and it, it's still weird because, mm-hmm. you know, I think, as I said, in the West, we don't do it right. Um, this is something my mom said to me a few years ago where I was so surprised that after another friend had lost her father after the funeral, she went back to work. Mm. And my mom was like, well, that's what happens in the U.S. You know, you yeah. the funeral happens and people return to their lives. And the funeral is just the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. the the week yeah. or the time leading up to it is is loud. Everyone's around. Everyone's taking care of you. And then after the funeral is really, I think, when you need, like, the support because it gets quiet and mm-hmm. and everyone sort of returns to their normal life. But clearly you can't do the same thing. Um and so I don't have suggestions on how we change that, but mm-hmm. it's something that I'm constantly thinking about and, and reminding people like, you know, if I, if I fly somewhere for someone's funeral, I like to say to the family member, it's going to get really quiet after this mm-hmm. because right. People think this is it and, and they're going to return to normal and you can't. So just, I don't know, prepare yourself in whatever mm-hmm. way you can. This season of The Brennis Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. 
Our special wellness conversation series is brought to you by Atleta. Atleta is designed for mothers, daughters, sisters, and friends of all ages that are leading active lifestyles. Whether you're on the go, seeking inner balance and wellness for yourself, or taking part in an active life that involves friends, school, and sports, Atleta has the clothes you need to keep moving. I love that Atleta offers clothing in sizes XXS to 3X and works to create the best product and shopping experience for all bodies. Shop Atleta at atleta.gapcanada.ca, visit Atleta at Vancouver's Park Royal or at Toronto's Yorkdale Mall, and follow them on Instagram at Atleta. What kind of space did you try to make for yourself? And you just spoke about the fact that, you know, in the West, it's like this thing that we have, it's almost like an illness, right? Like a, mm-hmm. a, an illness in our own life. Like it will be really painful and then you're going to get better. Like you're getting over it, right? right? That's like the concept. And I had a friend describe grief. Um, and when I went through the grief of losing my dad uh, almost two years ago, she described it as a wave, which... I understood when it happened to me was the right description because it's a wave that comes and goes and it doesn't have to do anything with time. You could be su- surprised with a wave of grief right. two years later, whenever it is. And it's still, and it's still as present. And sometimes it's a big one. Sometimes it's a small one. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so going back to, you know, you're saying in like, we, we have that thing where we need to get it over with in the West, at least what kind of space did you make for yourself to be able to process all of those emotions, the grief and everything that comes with it? And what would be your advice to, you know, women listening to us who, uh, who need to make this space for grief in their own life. And sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes we have to go to work, but there's other ways we can make space for it within ourselves and with our energy and space. I think you know, I think something that we do is we always push things off. So it's, I'll be happy when I get to this, or I'll be able to when I get to this. And so when I was in South Africa, I, you know, I, I kept thinking, I'll have the space when I get back to the US. And I, you know, I'm alone and have quiet time. Um, But that's also not the way to do it. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's probably each day, even finding five minutes to have space um, to just to check in because by the time I got back to the U S and had, you know, the sort of space and, and quiet that I wanted, I also then realized it was this weird thing where I got on the plane and I felt like the act of getting on the plane meant that I had accepted Mm. his death Mm. because I was now returning to normal life. So then I felt guilty and so it's like I waited too long to to sit and think through what had happened because you know mm-hmm. you're just going through the motions of mm-hmm. of checking in on people and and getting things done and getting everyone's affairs in order. Um, and so I think I'm still probably learning how you sort of give yourself the space because, like you said, it's a wave. There's something that happens one random Tuesday, and all of a sudden your Tuesday is a horrible day because. You didn't expect, you know, your dad's favorite song to come on and to, you know, I don't know if the word is ruin your day, but to sort of then put you in this sort of solemn Mm -hmm. mood the rest of the day. Um, And I don't think there's any way to sort of avoid those things or change Mm -hmm. them. But I do think maybe 
five minutes daily just to check in. And maybe that becomes less and less time over time. And you don't get surprised by these things. And suddenly you hear your favorite song and you smile. But again, I think that just takes time. And Mm. sadly, I think that's what everyone says. It just takes time. Is there anything about, because I think moments of um, any, any time that is challenging, difficult, any time we you know, face an obstacle or any time we face something that we feel we haven't been prepared or not fully equipped for, and I would put grief and de- the death of a, of a loved one in that category, mm-hmm. um, are there any realizations like around kind of taking care of yourself overall, your wellness, taking care of your own mental health? Are there things that also because you just talked about making time, you know, to sit with yourself on a daily basis. And and that's something that's helpful with grief, but it's helpful and, and in honoring somebody's, you know, memory, but it's also helpful for our, you know, a gratitude practice or just plain meditation. Mm-hmm. So are there things like that, that maybe came as lessons or things that you took away from that experience and how you dealt with it? that you're applying to kind of your, your own wellness strategy of, for lack of a better term moving forward. Yeah. I think, um, the one thing I realized is, or maybe this is personal is life seems to be really noisy. And I think we really enjoy, you know, having constant noise around. And so if I'm not on a call with someone or doing something then I'm listening to a podcast or to music mm-hmm. and, and I think I went about two weeks after my grandfather passed, not listening to any podcasts, which Mm. was a shock to my husband because he is always used to me having a podcast on different speakers. Um, And I just was like, I don't know. I can't, I can't sit and listen to like these strangers just chatting right now. Mm -hmm. And so literally having silence where actually I was taking time and it wasn't, you know, you take time alone, but then you're listening to something or you're watching something. You're not actually really sitting in grief or sitting in, any state that's really going to bring you to where you're trying to go. Um, And then honestly, sleep. I think sleep is a big thing. Um, And I I love to nap and I (laughs) spent a lot of time napping. Now, most people can't nap as much as I can um, because of like jobs and kids and things, but it was like something that I needed. Um, And I found that it made a difference was Mm. to have the quiet but to then also, you know, sleep and not feel bad for the sleep. Because often, you know, we, we're, we're so against this rest culture. Um, but I think rest is like the one thing that we actually need more of. Mm-hmm. Something else that you and I talked about is that it's challenging. And I've been on the other side too, and I've been on the receiving end. Some people don't know how to deal with grieving people. In fact, many people have no idea how to deal with grieving people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And some people will become defensive, uncomfortable, awkward, you know, say the wrong things, not say anything because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. Right. I mean, I know very few people who get it right or who fully know how to be supportive and it can lead to uncomfortable, you know, dialogue with people. It can lead to people pulling away from a friendship or a relationship when, you know, they don't know how to support somebody else who is grieving. What's your advice? Like, how do we deal with that? And I'm curious to know if there are any Ubuntu lessons that we can draw from when we are trying to show up for somebody who is grieving. Um, 
so lucky for me, I have a mother who very much leans into the moment when someone is grieving. And I don't know how, because I, you know, it's so odd to like come up with things to say to someone, but somehow mm-hmm. she just knows what to say to people. And so I, I sort of accepted, I wouldn't know what to say to people, but I can show up. And so mm-hmm. if if I can be there for someone's funeral or sort of, you know, memorial, fly to support a friend, then that's what I'll do. Because mm-hmm. my mom has showed me that like, you have, you have to be there for people. Um, and so be there in the way that you can while also making sure that it's something they need. And so a lot of the time people just, you know, they want you to acknowledge it and mm-hmm. they want to talk about the person. Yeah. You know, we like to sort of skirt around the topic, but like this person has passed away and they existed. Yeah. And usually yes. the person wants to talk about them. And Absolutely. if they don't, they'll probably tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we lean away and we center ourselves and so I you know I remember having a conversation with a woman in the UK who had lost her husband to COVID and I asked her you know people don't want to say anything because they don't want to be awkward or or make you feel bad but again that's like you centering yourself and it's Mm -hmm. in that moment it's not about that you have you have to say something Mm -hmm. um and I think maybe it's the whole putting yourself in someone else's shoes what would you want them to say to you what would you want in that moment? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the thing you offer. And if it's not helpful to them, I know people that will say, this is not what I need, but what I do need is this. And mm-hmm. and then you offer that instead. Um, it's just like the love languages, you know? We I was going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> we try to give in our love language and it's not necessarily the other person's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if we looked at grief a little bit more like that, you know, love languages are hot now. Everyone's always talking yeah. about it. If we looked at it a bit more like that, like what does this person need? What have they communicated? Because we think about it, our friends who are grieving usually do let us know, you know, mm-hmm. what what they're looking for, whether it's just a check-in or to go out for a meal. Um, and the check-ins can be different. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think we always have to say, how are you? Because mm-hmm. again, yeah. you know, we say it in that voice and then- That's loaded. That, yeah, if that person was like actually doing well in this moment, this is now awkward for them because now they have to be like, oh, well, you know, you know mm-hmm. they either have to like sort of jump back into their grief, put on that coat again and like be solemn. Um, but if they say they're they're fine, we you know we may not believe them, yeah, or we may not check in. Up. We may not check yeah. in again. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's really about like listening and paying attention to like what the person needs, what their grief language is, um, mm. and it'll be different for everyone. And sometimes it'll be exhausting. And someone will tell us they don't want this or they do want this, and then they'll change their mind the next mm-hmm. day. And we sort of just have to like move with it because we will all be grieving at one point. And so we will want someone to do the same thing for us. Mm. Good advice. So not being afraid of it sometimes. <laughs> it's, be- it's better to try, even if it's going to be clumsy or potentially awkward, than disappear and, you know, not not showing up for right. the people in our lives. And it will be clumsy and awkward for everyone at one point. But mm-hmm. I mean, that is way better than not existing at all. Mm-hmm. How how are you kind of celebrating your granddad's murder? And I don't mean the official way with, you know, there was 
uh, obviously a state funeral that you attend in South Africa. And there's a lot of tributes being paid to him and his amazing work and his, his overall career. Um, but on a personal and, you know, kind of private level, how, what's something that you do or that you'll continue to be doing or will be doing in the future to kind of celebrate your granddad's memory and legacy? In, in other words, how does he continue to exist for you in your own personal life? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I asked myself maybe three weeks after his funeral was, all right, so how am I going to continue his legacy? Mm-hmm. Um, and a no few pressure. People, yeah. A few people are like, it's too soon. Like mm. he, if he was here, he'd say like, that's not something you need to worry about right now. Like, have you, have you grieved? Have you been going through the process or are you just looking for the next thing to sort of, you know, take up your, your the space in your mind? Um, and so that is a question that I'm constantly thinking of. Um, I, I've been reading a lot lately and, and one of the bookmark I use is a picture of us. And so I mm. think that is, you know, just a small thing. Um, and then there, you, there are silly things where Alan Dershowitz said some horrible things about him. And so I tweeted something petty at him and that was me not necessarily honoring his legacy, but, you know, doing something to celebrate him. Um, and then also when someone asks what they can do, letting them know organizations and charities, I think that he supported that they could donate to. So just small things that can happen. And then maybe in a year, I'll know how I can honor his legacy, but Mm. willing to, you know, sort of let the answer come to me instead of actively searching for it. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think what he would have told you, the, the way you phrased that was very wise as well. Um, there's also, we talk about grief for people in our lives, loved ones, but I think grief is also sometimes grieving a project, an mm-hmm. idea, grieving a situation, grieving a relationship that didn't work out. Um, what, I hate using the word lessons, but what would you, what do you think you would kind of apply what's what's common between you know grieving a person and then making space because we I also don't think we make enough space for the things we need to grieve that are not people mm-hmm. um and a friend of mine said that to me recently as well um I think it was in a context of somebody ending a relationship and she said like you have to make space for that and it's absolutely okay to be as devastated and it's not necessarily a romantic relationship it can be a friendship too right. or like a work partnership um, you know, how can we make more space for those moments to, uh, of overall grief that maybe are not an actual person dying? I think it's the same thing of realizing that, like you said, your friend said to you about waves, something in the beginning, whether it's a friendship or a project in the beginning, it's going to feel like this really large thing and like the only thing, but over time it'll change. And then you'll have moments where you really wish you were back there or with that person, and then something new comes. And I, mm-hmm. and what you just had was a lesson for what was coming next. Um, and so, of course, you know, like, feel those emotions in the moment. But while you're making space to feel that this thing leaving your life is making space for something else. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's all sort of part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is 
one, and maybe we'll quote from your book, <laughs> what is one Ubuntu lesson that you felt drawn to throughout this whole experience or maybe something that's just been top of mind given recent events? Hmm. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, tr oh, ha ha ha. Um, acknowledging reality, um, mm. even when it's painful, because I think, you know, it's difficult to constantly say to people, when they say, how are you to say, oh, I've been better or, or, you know, not doing great. I'm used, I'm used to being that friend that is there for advice and to sort of check in on people. Yes, and I can attest to that. And in this moment, it's been very difficult to be that friend because I just mm -hmm. don't feel that right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's odd to not check in on people, but realize that, that that's also not my job at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and so sort well, of like, <laughs> it's never your job, right? Like you don't owe anybody that right. even if you've acted that way in the past. Right. Um, but it's sort of the, what I've, you know, the corner I've painted myself into. Um, and so to answer people honestly, and then sort of see like where it goes from there, you know, as you, you learn who can give back to you what you've given to them in this moment. Um, and I think it's, it's been helpful. I'm not the greatest of discussing emotions. So the acknowledging is a bit awkward sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like I'm probably only growing from acknowledging reality, even in the painful moments. Mm. Well, and then, you know how I usually end these podcast conversations. I have a signature question I've asked you a few times in the past, so mm -hmm. I'll modify it. What do you wish women would do more of or less of when it comes to dealing with grief in their lives? And you've partly answered that. Maybe there's something you want to add. Mm. I wish that women would, this is a difficult one, when it comes to grief, um, it sounds sort of counterintuitive to the whole conversation we've had, but I wish women would take care of people less mm. um, and take care of themselves more because I think if they took care of themselves more, everyone else would also be taken care of. Like it would, you know, there would be ripple effects. Um, and yeah, mm -hmm. I think that. And it connects to what you were talking about at the start of our conversation, making space for rest and for sleep. Yeah. And that goes in any difficult, like whenever we feel we need that time and that space, whether it's caused by grief or another challenging period in our lives. Yeah. The, I, the example I can think of is when I was younger, my mom said to my brother and me, you know, I want you to always feel comfortable crying and, and letting out your emotions about things. And I think a few years ago, we discussed how I really like still, even though she had said that I was never really comfortable crying in front of people. Mm -hmm. And someone asked why, and I don't know if it was my mom or me, but I said, well, but she never actually did cry in front of us. And so it's the oh, kids, wow. kids watch, Yeah, you know, you yeah, can yeah, say, yeah. They can, you can you say all you want to kids, but it's what yeah. you do. And so yeah. 
she said this, but, you know, we didn't see her crying because she wasn't necessarily always taking care of herself. She was trying to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wish women would take care of themselves more. Mm-hmm. That's great advice and a perfect end to this conversation. Thank you so much for chatting with me. As always, I could continue the conversation. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your experience with grief and Uh, I I am sorry for the loss of your grandfather. And I think we all, you know, all of humanity lost a shining beacon, uh, but he gets to live on through you, through, you know, uh, your, your cousins, your siblings, um, your, your entire family. And we're, we're lucky to have you to continue sharing wisdom from Ubuntu and just from life in general. So thank you for being that person in our lives. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Women in Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thanks to Atleta for their support of our wellness series. Designed for women, by women, Atleta's clothing is offered in sizes XXS to 3X, empowering all women to lead active lifestyles with confidence. Atleta is a certified B Corp company and 70% of their products are made using sustainable materials. This commitment has diverted 1.1 million tons of fabric waste from landfills. Additionally, Atleta has contributed $1 million to their workers in fair trade certified factories. Shop Atleta at atleta.gapcanada.ca, visit Atleta at Vancouver's Park Royal or Toronto's Yorkdale Mall, and find them on Instagram at Atleta. Thank you so much for listening to a podcast by The Brand is Female. I'm Ava Hartling, and this episode was produced by our team. Sound engineering by Isabel Morris. Research and production support, Claire Miglionico. Marketing and digital growth, Kayla Gillis. And partnerships, Natalie Hope. Yeah.